1: all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder.
0: Yep, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and profit's awesome. You know, the other piece of it is you want to make sure you have the capital available to make the investments in the property to keep it going. What I've seen happen frequently is people try to operate in that affordable model or with really low rents. And then when the capital expense comes up, there's not enough money to put it back into the property. And so the condition of the property continues to degrade. And it's just kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah,
1: it uh, just got snowballs.
0: Up, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And so then they're forced to sell to people like us who want to come in and purchase a distressed asset, infuse the capital that needs to be infused in order to bring it up to you know, a B-class asset. Thanks all for tuning into Dreamcatchers where we make things happen. Catch. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life forward to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way. To catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why for each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready?
1: Welcome to REI Spotlight with your host, David Schwan. And today's guest is Jerome Myers, the managing director at the Miles Development Group. Welcome to the show. David, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for being on, Jerome. Give us, uh, give us a little bit of your background and and kind of how uh, you know the 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 90 second uh, look at how you got into uh, multi family real estate.
0: Man, that's gonna be hard. I, I typically start with that warm Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon when I was born at Womack Army Hospital, and my dad named me before my mom woke up from the <laughs> anesthesia from the C-section. But I guess I don't have time to go through all that. But look, I—I well, you know,
1: I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not a very fascinating story. <laughs> um, just. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll go through the, we'll do the 90 second version now. And then like we'll have people like give us thumbs up that they want like the first 18 years in detail. And if we get enough people, we'll come back and we'll do another episode on that.
0: Okay. Uh, That's fair enough, man. So I'm an engineer by training. I went to North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University, got a degree in civil engineering, Uh, left there and started working for a power company. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, got on a leadership track, got an MBA along the way, went into consulting, um, and you know, did a couple of different firms, ended up at a construction company. And that's when things kind of pedal hit the metal or rubber met the road, however you want to look at it. We built a $20 million business. I was employee number two by, in January. In August, we had about 150 people on the team doing EPC work. You know, I was responsible for everything from getting permits and acquiring real estate to doing engineering design and actually completing the construction. And so that was like the closest thing that I could get to entrepreneurship without actually taking a pay cut. And I knew kind of early in my career that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I kind of had those golden handcuffs. And so. In November of that year, we had to lay off half the people that started working with us. And I was like, there's, there's something wrong about this. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation and everything kind of came to a head on Christmas Eve. And I was like, man, look, I, I, we need to figure out another way. We shouldn't leave, let, lay people off, et cetera, et cetera. And my boss was like, Jerome, I'm tired of arguing with you. It's five o'clock. It's Christmas Eve. I'm done. And he hangs up the phone. And he was like, just pick the people who are going to be fired and, you know, we'll move on. And so, you know, what do I do? He was the senior vice president. That's, so we, we picked them, we moved on, and we did another 20 million the next year. And you know what my reward was for all of that?
1: $30,000
0: bonus. I made $6 million in profit and I got a $30,000 bonus. And so I asked for a pay increase. And my guy said, "Uh, you're overpaid already. I was like, okay, there's enough of this. And so I started planning my exit. And so I got real aggressive on the savings I saved about a year worth of expenses. And I jumped out. I, I said, no more corporate America, no more layoffs. And Oh, by the way, we did more layoffs at the end of the next year. And it's just like, there is just no reason for us to be doing this. It, it, it,
1: it's, it's like, look, look, we need to, we, we need to manage this better so that we're more consistent and so that we don't have these hits. You know, it's like look. Um, you, you know, when, when when people come to workforce, you know they're 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 parting with their most sac your their, their most sacred item that they will ever own. They are giving it to you for a return of you, you know for a return of money, and it's like look. You know, I, I mean, somebody's donated that you you owe them something. You know, it's like look. You they're they're like you said. You there has to be a better way to do this, and that is just so that's so awesome that it hit you like that that is that is awesome
0: dude i I don't even celebrate the holidays anymore like it it cut me open and put all my insides out on the street i i I remember not eating for a few days because i mean these these people literally committed their lives to what we were doing we had wives of sailors who didn't move on to the next duty station because they wanted to continue working on the project you know, and we we just, it was really a family kind of environment. And the best part for me was, you know, I got to set the culture. I didn't have um, a boss that was in the state. You know, I had three different supervisors over the course of about 18 months. And none of them lived in the state of Virginia. And so I might talk to them every other week and see them once a quarter. And so that really gave me the confidence that I could go out and do it on my own. And, you know, I didn't need to do $20 million in revenue. Um, But I could do something smaller than that, and you know, still be able to satisfy what wow. I needed in order to live off of. So, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's it's like, look, well, you know, I got that thirty thousand dollar bonus, and you know, say, you know, it's like, well, you know, I made them six million. I, you know, if I make half of a million, you know, one twelfth of what i made them, I'm good. It's like good. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes you go, well, I got that much. That that shouldn't be that hard for me to do. I do it every day now.
0: (laughs) So, you know, if I jump back to college, I used to sit on this stoop and I don't know where the majority of your listeners are, but in North Carolina, this stoop is some form of stairs near a doorway. (laughs) at the stoop and you know we trade magazines and so on and so forth and we were really interested in trying to find you know passive income or financial freedom and one day we were sitting there doing the math as back of the napkin it's like all right we pay four hundred dollars a month in rent there's 18 units in each building there's eight buildings here and those numbers probably aren't right but what we came up with was that the apartment complex was generating about seven hundred thousand dollars a year in income You're like, okay, so who owns that? And, like, where does the money go? And we didn't have any of those answers, but we knew that we wanted to own apartments. And so fast forward 15 years, and here we are. We've done it. We've, you know, exceeded the potential for what we thought we would see back in, uh, I guess it was like 2001, 2002. Um, It's been a long journey, but we got back to the basics. And, you know, the first deal and i don't think any deal actually ever goes the way you plan for it to go but you know you just learn so much so quick so you know we we've come full circle and got back to the roots that we thought we were going to get into from the beginning
1: awesome awesome that is that's that is that's that's a that's a great way to lead into it you know it's it's like look you you, you know you guys uh I, I it's props because not too many people i know like just organically Grew into apartments like that. I love that. Uh, I love that angle of how you got into it. That is, that's, that's awesome. (laughs) You know, it's like a lot of people, it's like, no, there wasn't no guru. I just, I just went and I realized that, Hey, I want to know this. And then I'm going to go find out what it is. And you went and found out what you needed to know. That's, uh, I I love that spirit. That is, that's, that's great spirit. That is awesome. Um, So now that, now that we'll, we'll uh, pivot to say, okay, now you you've gone through all your due diligence. You've, you've just closed, you know, you've done all your pre-work, You're, you you've just walked in and it's like, okay, I've, I've, I've kind of met these people before. I know, you, you you know, it's that, it's that exchange over and it's like, okay, here's day one. We woke up in the motel room. what, how's, how's, how's that, uh, how's that process start to unfold, right? uh, Like on day one, what's, what's that like?
0: Yeah. So if I can have the Liberty to back up a little bit, so we've got a four step process, right? So we find them, we fund them, we fix them and then we flip them. That's our game. And so, You know, what you're talking about is, you know, after closing day, which is our fix-it process, the third step in the process, how do we get our fingers, get dirt on our fingernails and and get to it? Um, I laugh all the time because, you know, people spend a bunch of time pouring over the due diligence documents and, you know, they want to know, well, is this percentage point off going to make a big difference in the investment? And the reality of the situation is, and I went to engineering school, so I think I'm qualified to say this. Well, <laughs> that stuff is just a fancy guess. We call them assumptions, but I mean, it, it's a guess with the best no- knowledge that you have about the marketplace and the condition of the property. When you find out what you really have is after you close, right? If yeah. the owner doesn't want to be honest with you, they're not going to be honest with you. And I'll give you a perfect example. We bought a 20-unit here in Greensboro, and there was a busted wall in one of the uh, walls. There was a busted pipe in one of the walls, in the bathroom, going from the toilet to the shower. Now, there was a reason why the water was off and the unit was down. Do you think the property owner told me that?
1: Oh, no, no, not at all.
0: Right? And I wasn't smart enough at that point to insist that all the utilities be on in every unit when we go in and do our due diligence inspection. So surprise, surprise, when we turned the water on in the unit and water started spraying all over the place and I ruined the of kitchen cabinets because, oh, we couldn't get, they, it didn't have an in-unit water main shutoff. So you had to go all the way back to the street to turn the water off. So imagine, you know, a two-story townhouse. You got the water in the upstairs bathroom flowing full force. You don't have a shutoff in the unit. You got to run all the way back to the street to get that water turned off. It was just yeah. a nightmare. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure that uh, he knew. But, you know, until you get into it, it's just kind of those surprises. Unless, you know, you're a whole lot smarter than me with the due diligence. And, of course, I learned that lesson <laughs> and I try to share it with everybody I can. As, so that, as,
1: as that, I, I was about ready to say that was that was educational. Um, yeah. it, it sucks. and You know, it, it's like, look, uh you know, um, education, education can be painful. It it may be mentally painful if you're reading somebody else's experience and, you know, putting that knowledge in your head. And then the most painful is when it just hits you, (laughs) you know, but but it's like, look, you know, it's, it's okay. There's my lesson. That was, uh, you know, that was whatever the expense was that it cost you. It's like, okay, I, I I learned a $30,000 or a $30,000 lesson right there. And, uh, you know, it's called it's it's called there went thirty thousand dollars into my education fund, you know, but I can guarantee you I will never, 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 never buy. I will never do that again. <laughs>
0: ever, ever. You know, we got it. I got that lesson. And it's always interesting when I talk to folks now, um, you know, you can get coaching and there's a lot of programs. And it's interesting. You mentioned a thirty thousand dollar. I talked to one coach. He was forty thousand dollars. And I've seen other programs that go up into the 50s and 60s. And I just don't know how most people can afford that stuff outside of, you know, boosting a credit card, boosting a credit card, and them being in a bunch of debt. And, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's got to get their start. I wouldn't encourage anybody to go through the School of Hard Knocks. I think that was the wrong way to do it. But I did it. I still hear. And, you know, I don't have one of those $30,000 boo-boos, but I do have enough of those smaller ones that... You know, maybe it's a death by a thousand cuts, right? Yeah. So, you know, you asked about the fix it phase. And so we're getting ready to close on a 10 unit. And I'm thinking about this um, with, you know, what are we going to start doing week after next? And I think the first step for us is really about um, doing an assessment. The, the, I think probably the most challenging thing is knowing who's going to pay, who's going to stay, and who's going to move out. Um, if I go back to my experience with the 20 unit, we, had, we thought we had four vacancies out of 20. It turned out that three people moved out the day after closing. So we went from four vacancies to seven vacancies just like that, right? And so yeah. now you're down to almost 50% occupancy. If you weren't conservative in your underwriting, you're in trouble. Definitely. Fortunately, we were really conservative in our underwriting. So we were able to, to manage that. But the first thing you want to know is who's going to stay? who's going to actually pay, and who's going to go. Um, and I, I lump into those three buckets. The people who stay don't necessarily go. In our business, we've decided that physical occupancy doesn't matter. What matters is economic occupancy. Yes. How many folks are actually paying rent? And paying rent on time, right? Because every time that you got to file those legal expenses or those legal fees, it's money out your pocket. And depending on how much rent it is, it could be up to a quarter of, what your rental income would be for the month and so now you got to try to figure out how to recoup those dollars and i mean it just gets into a, a spiral because we focus on you know workforce housing and you know it was funny i heard an interesting statistic that said that most people can't afford an unexpected 400 hundred dollar expense so yeah. you know when you have when you're charging them a late fee plus another, in my state it's like 150 to 180 dollars to start the eviction process, have them served, and all that, you're getting into that danger threshold, and where people can't get caught up. So, so
1: yeah, yeah, and yeah, and you have to be very cognizant of you know making sure that you know it's like that you have tenants that you know can. Can handle it, but that you're also, you know, that, you, you know, you have to realize that like, look, if we go through this and I hit them with this 400, it's like, look, this is probably just going to keep rolling. There probably isn't going to be a whole lot of saving.
0: Yeah. There's another eviction on the way. Right. So, and that for me is painful because it takes about 45 days for us to get a person out. So, you know, you've got the people who are going to pay. They're great. Leave them over there. You got the people who are staying, but they're just squatting. They're not going to pay you And so the longer it takes you to get them out the door, the more lost revenue you have. And I'll I'll say this, um, what we found after, you know, digging into the details of our operations, the vacancy expense is our biggest expense. We, you know, it's more than property management. It's been more than, you know, any of these kind of uh, O&M type expenses. And mainly because we've been transitioning properties, are we experiencing that sustained vacancy issue? But You know, it jumps up when you take over a property, and so you want to be careful with that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of make sure that like try, try and figure out which which bucket you have, so you know which where you know where you need to, to to head on it. So uh, once you when not now, um, how do you uh, you know once you once you've gotten them segmented into you know their their buckets of you know who's gonna stay, who's gonna go. Um, you know, whether it's willingly or, or, you know, in the next 45 days, uh, unwillingly, if not, but, you know, once you, after you kind of get that situated and you kind of have that feeling of what you're going to do, where, what's your uh, next step from that?
0: So we take the vacancies and we go in and make whatever improvements we think each unit needs. And we do more of a smart renovation than a whole cell. Everything's, everybody's getting paint. Everybody's getting cabinets. Everybody's getting countertops. Everybody's getting floors. We go in and do a condition assessment. And if the stuff is serviceable, we keep it. Um, the only thing that probably doesn't get a pass is um, toilets. We like new toilets just because they're lower flow and... If there's a property where we're paying the water bill, we want to make sure that we've got either great new guts in the toilet or a new toilet, so that um, you're not dealing with the running water issues.
1: Yeah, uh, kind of hold, you know, keep that. Uh, yeah, just just be able to keep all, all that, be able to cut that that consumption cost, and do you know low flow faucets and all, all that stuff, just to kind of make sure that you're saving what you need to, but you know, not not necessarily rehabbing a whole complete unit just for the sake of rehabbing a whole complete unit you're just you know you're you're, you're just rehabbing you're only doing what you need to do
0: right and so we'll go in and we'll, we'll dive into those and get those turned as soon as we can so that we can get them on the market um and we're going to bring them on the market at you know whatever the performance says we thought we could do we're going to try to get market rent in immediately Um, And we'll do some testing. We may even go a little bit over what we expected market rent to be just to see what the market will take. Um, We found that as long as you're within about one hundred and fifty dollars of whatever the other residents are, you can kind of integrate different, um, I guess, socioeconomic classes. I guess that's the best way to quantify or classify
1: it. Yeah, um, but yeah, once you start
0: getting more than that, it, it, you start getting into trouble because they tend not to have similar values.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know it's you know when you're taking over a property and especially one that has some troubles, it's like well, you know, um, some of these troubles are you know the the people who live here and you know it's like unfortunately if you're taking over, you know, and, and especially you know if you're in a in workforce housing you know sometimes it's like look these these people just they mismanaged it is what it is and they mismanaged it by letting the wrong people move into it and you know that's a that's a form of mismanagement you know and and it's like well you know they either didn't want to take the time or they were buddies with them or you know whatever the issue was but it's like look it's time to uh it's time for these people to move on and and You know, and and it's like, look, well, you know, it, it, it stinks, but you know, most of the time it's like, look, these are, these are people who they're not trying or not really wanting to do what they need to do. So it's like, look, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a charitable person, but let me choose who I'm charitable to. You're not going to just demand my charity.
0: (laughs) Right. 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 I mean, I, I call it theft. I mean, right or wrong, you know, you got to pay to stay, and, I, David, I had a lady who had her water turned off because she didn't pay the bill. And so she went down to the city and filed a cold compliance complaint against us because she didn't have <laughs> running water. And so they opened up the case and they told us until we evict her, the unit is condemned. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So now I've got to open code enforcement case for someone who doesn't pay their water bill, who hasn't paid us rent in a month or two. And just sitting on us, waiting on for us to evict them. I mean, I, have, I
1: don't, have you guys ever tried to do like you know cash for keys with some of these more uh, difficult people?
0: So we have a pretty strong position on that one, David. We we don't want to set up the next landlord. So we want people to have the evictions on their record so that it's difficult for them when they move on. Um, when when you do the cash for keys, you get the unit quicker, which is great for you but that next landlord doesn't have the opportunity to um, see yeah. that person is a potential risk for them. And I don't think people's behaviors change all that much. And so we we want it to be documented that you took advantage of us because that's what we feel like. Awesome.
1: Awesome. I, I, I agree with the point of view. I just, uh, I, I like, uh, like get, getting people's point of view on that. And I'd like your, uh, I like your, well, you know, it's like, look, uh, now the next guy, if if he's going to accept them, he needs to know that like, look, this is a risky guy. You're, you, you know, know, know what you're dealing with. <laughs> so yeah, I get that because you, you really don't want to, it's, that's one of those kind of do on the others as you want to have done on the you is like, nah, it's like, look, I don't want, I want somebody hiding somebody's eviction just to get them out of there so that now I have to take this crappy tenant. You know, it's like, you know, just, it's just figure it out. But you know, it's like, no, no, make sure, make sure they know, make sure the next guy knows what's going on.
0: Yeah. I mean, it takes a little bit more time, but I feel like if all of us owners did the same thing, then we could elevate the pool of folks that we're dealing with and feel a little bit better about, you know, who we're renting to because I mean I do think that's a true indicator of whether or not somebody's actually going to pay.
1: Well, and 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 you know, really it's it's a service that you owe the other tenants that live in your building in, in reality, because you have to have a certain amount of profit for it to be a business and to sustain it and to get going, you know, just to stay. I mean, you know, face it, this is capitalism. It's a business, you know, owning apartments as a business. We in business, we are supposed to make a profit. That is what we're supposed to do. Um, and there's a certain percentage of profit. And well, your, your, your mortgage payment is your mortgage payment. You know, it's like, look, your expenses are your expenses. You're going to pay them you have to you know you have to get enough back in return, well, you know if you're not getting paid on unit number ten, well when you do the math next year, the people who are paying you're going to have to raise their rent even more than you normally would because you've allowed these 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 bad tenants to stay in place, so you are actually you know it you know some people say, well, don't you feel bad about?" No, because these these are people who are taking, like you said, theft. You know, these are people who are taking advantage of the situation and they're costing people who paid me their rent on time. They're trying to cost them more money. You know, it's like, look, um, no, I want all good tenants so that way I can be fair. I don't have to overcharge seven tenants to to make sure I make the profit off of 10 tenants that I have. You know, it's like, no, it's, it's like we're – going to you know keep the seven good ones and we're going to you know get people who you know three more good ones in there so that way everybody pays the most affordable rent and we still make our. Property. have you been looking for properties
0: when unable to find a good deal do you feel like lack of access to private capital is holding you back do you have the confidence in your skills to execute your business plan the myers method we walk with you to help you step-by-step step understand the actions needed to identify, acquire, operate, and maintain multifamily properties. Guys, great morning, great morning. It's Monday morning I'm over here at Towns. No, this isn't Towns, this is Myers Point, man. Myers Point at Greenbrier. We're getting the grass cut, Me with my property manager to talk about strategy on a couple of evictions and turnovers we're gonna take care of this month coming up in June. Really made a lot of progress on this property over the past year. Now it's time to take it to the next level. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, And profits, awesome. You know, the other piece of it is you wanna make sure you have the capital available to make the investments in the property to keep it going. What I've seen happen frequently is people try to operate in that affordable model or with really low rents. And then when the capital expense comes up, there's not enough money to put it back into the property. And so the condition of the property continues to degrade. And it's just kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah,
1: it just uh, kind of snowballs.
0: In it just gets worse and worse and worse. And so then they're forced to sell to people like us who want to come in and purchase a distressed asset, infuse the capital that needs to be infused in order to bring it up to you know, a B-class asset.
1: Yeah, being able to you, you know, it's like, look, um, you know, just you know, if you're if you're if you're gonna hop in and play this game, you 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 better know, you know, make sure your numbers are good people. <laughs> you know, it's like look, it's uh you know, just just acquisition isn't enough, you know. It's like look, you know, and I guess this is kind of like a little bit of an under you know, stepping back to the underwriting side, but it's you right. know it's kind of like, you know, from an educational standpoint, this is why You know, when you're looking at somebody's underwriting that they have budgeted for, you know, these vacancies and you should understand what the whole business plan is and what the business model that you're trying to achieve on this project is. So that you understand that, like, look, yeah, um, this is a C-class neighborhood. Um, It's been mismanaged. Just for us to have the opportunity to get it back to right management, it's like, yeah, we're going to have to take it down to 50% because that's all the good tenants that happen to be there. You know, it's like, look, we, we gotta, you know, it's going to be down there and then we're going to do our thing and we're going to move it back up and we're going to get it back to the occupancy that it needs to be. But when you're looking at somebody's underwriting, you need to make sure that they have factored in that, you know, if you know it's a distressed property, you know, that, you know, part of the business plan is, you know, retenanting, um, you know, part of the complex that you know you you've just looked at the rent rolls and know that like, look, there's three people that they just need to go. Um, they're they're costing us money. Um, and you know you realize that just from your due diligence, it's like okay, these the, these guys, you know, they're 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 a burden on this business. They they need to go. It's they're they're a loss loss. So, you know, but you know, it's like look, just because you it like you said, you know, if it takes you 45 days to to kick them out. There's two months. There's two months of vacancy right there. You know, it, it's it's that's what it is. So, you know, for your first two months on your P and Ls, there's there's thirty uh, percent vacancy that is going to be there, or you need to have planned for it to be there. You know, so if that isn't in the underwriting, that's when you start going. Oh, wait a second, you guys aren't. Uh, you know, you guys haven't built in enough CapEx expense to get us through because it's like, look, this is a rehab rehab means that you're going to have to, you know, you got some work to do on the unit. So you have to allow time to actually do the physical work and then you have to allow time to get it, you know, get tenants back in there. Um, you know, and it's like, look, that, you know, if you're, if you're in a great market and your timing all lines up perfectly, that may be a very short time frame. But, you know, it's underwriting and, you know, not everything goes as we planned. So, you know, you have to give a little bit of leeway, you know, to be able to re-tenant, you know, know, to get them fixed and re-tenanted. So just to make sure that, you know, that's built into the underwriting and make sure that especially on something that's a heavy value add, that that is certainly accounted for.
0: Yeah. You want to have your interest reserves Locked in, you want to have enough money in to do the rehabs. And you know, it's funny, I thought I was going to do four or five in my first value add in the first year, and we ended up doing 13. So, imagine the shift on that with you know, people moving out. Now, it did wonders for my NOI at the end of the year because we were able to blow our income targets out the water, but you know, just the additional capital expenses. Um, but again, you know, you we work with a you-
1: You had to have that capital expense money there so you could go do the work, get these higher paying tenants in. And then once you got those higher paying tenants in, it's like, okay, well, you know, this is going to increase our cash flow. But if you didn't have the CapEx money to make the unit the way that it needed to be to attract that tenant that was going to pay that higher rent, you know, because, you you know, it's like, look, you you had to go in, you had to do some work. And there's no way that you would have gotten that dollar amount of rent. In the condition it was before, you know, there's not, you wouldn't have gotten those same rents. It's like, that's why you go in and you do the work so you can maximize your rent, Um, you know, but you have to have that built in capital to be able to to, to keep it. And you had enough where it's like, okay, well, instead of five, we're at 13. Awesome. We are killing it, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah. And so, you know, if we circle back to, you know, what's happening in the first 90 days, parallel with, you know, doing some of the interior stuff on the current vacant units, we're going to start improving the outside. You know, if we need to work on landscaping, we'll take care of landscaping. A lot of times there's soffit issues. So we go in and get that stuff corrected. If we need to do paint on shutters or whatever, deferred maintenance on the outside, we're going to get that knocked out so that when the new residents come see our new shiny interior, they have some curb appeal to walk up to that to continue okay. the great
1: field. Well, well, well you, you, you don't want them to pull up. It's like, look, you could have the Taj Mahal on the inside, but right. you know, if it looks like a dump on the outside, you know, it's like grass ain't cut. There's litter everywhere, you know, uh, you know, stuff has peel and paint. It doesn't matter. You can have the Taj Mahal on the inside and they're, you, you know, they, they've downgraded your value of the, of your building before they even seen what the unit looked like. And you could have, you know, tile floor, you know, marble floors and and, uh, granite countertops, but it's still gonna be worth less to to your renter because it's like, well, yeah, but I had to walk through that to get there. (laughs) Right,
0: right, right. And so, you know, when we do that, when we finish up the exterior catching up of deferred maintenance or whatever improvements we're gonna make, we're gonna approach the residents that decided to stay and we're gonna give them a bump. We're gonna give them a rent bump and start getting that cash flow recoup that we put out into the property. Um, You know, first thing we wanna do is deliver some value, make it nicer for them. But then the next thing is, okay, you know, we we need to make an investment. And typically what we try to do is find properties that have month-to-month leases primarily. And so some of those folks that decided to stay may decide to leave at this point. But we're already in the rehabilitation mode right so we're already getting in these units and so if they decide to move we can turn that unit bring it to the new standard and you know put it on on market at the new rate and so you know we just continue this process and what we find is a lot of people have been hungry for the improvements and they're willing to pay a little bit more in rent because of it so we continue that cycle, and as people move out, we improve the units. If they don't move out, we don't make investments on the interior of the units, unless there's something, you know, majorly wrong and they're living in conditions that are not up to what we think people should be living in.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's it's like, look, if it's a substandard apartment, we're we're gonna go fix substandard. We're not gonna make somebody live in substandard. It's like, look, you know, there, there's a certain level that. Yeah, you're not moving out, but we still got to bring this 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 apartment up a little bit because this, you know, the level it's at just isn't it's not right. So we're going to fix that.
0: (laughs) And you know what? A lot of the residents, I don't know if I want to call them nosy, but they're interested in finding out what's going on in the new units. Right. So they'll come in, they'll peek their head in and ask if they can walk around and so on and so forth. And we always ask them, hey, would you, do you want to move over into a new unit? And, you know, here's a new rate for the new units, et cetera. And, you know, if they want to make that transition from the unit they're in until the new one, it speeds up our turn process. And, you know, for us, that makes us happy. But we also like saving the capital investment in, in the instances where people don't want to move but are willing to pay a little bump on their rent.
1: Yeah, yeah it's it's like well yeah you know e- either way you know it's it's uh we're, we're accommodating either way it's like look if you want the newer shiny unit we'll you know we'll we'll work on that or if you want to stay where you're at you know that that's fine too uh you know it's kind of a win-win either way with you it's like well we either get to turn it or we get to you know make a little bit you know get a little rent bump anyway and it's like okay you know e- either way but we're we're good you know it works works in our favor either way i love a win-win
0: and for them too, because I mean, they've got a nicer place to live, right? And I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, that's the goal. And I mean, that's what they're paying for. They're paying for more comfortable accommodations.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's like, look, you know, some people are like, well, yeah, if, you, you know, if, if I have this upgrade them, I'm paying a little bit more for it because I'm, I'm more proud of it. You know, people are proud of their homes, even if it's a rented home, they're still proud of their home. You know, you're always mm-hmm. proud of where you, you, you know, you, you, or you want to be proud of where you live, you know? So it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, I, I like it. So, and, and I'm, you know, and those are the tenants that you want to keep because if they have, you know, they have a little bit of pride in where they live, they treat things better and everything just goes better.
0: I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And that pride of ownership is the difference maker. And even with the, well, I guess I can't call it ownership, but you you guys get the point, right? They live there. They're proud of where they live. Um, But our goal is retention, right? Because once we turn them, if we've got to turn them again, it can eat all your profit for the year that you made on that unit. So, you know, we want people to stay two and three years so that we can actually get the money out of
1: the investment that we made in year one. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, you know, get that ROI that you were planning on, you know, without, without having to Mm -hmm. turn it. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely, no, we, I, I think we should all do, you know, whatever we can to reasonably keep the tenants that we have and keep them for as long as we have. But, you know, and, and that's the whole thing is like you said, retention, you know, it's, um, You know, weed out the tenants that you don't want, but the ones that you do want, you know, treat them, you know, treat them right and treat them fair and they'll, you know, they'll keep treating you right and treating you fair. Mm
0: -hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, And, you know, it's funny because it's not just the residents that you want to treat, right? You got to treat the property right. Your property will turn into an alligator and all you do is feed it, but it doesn't give you anything back. But if you love on that thing and treat it well, it'll become that goose that keeps laying those eggs. So you feed the goose, it lays eggs. You feed the goose some
1: more, it lays some more eggs. You know, we try to think about our properties that way. Awesome. Awesome. So would you say that would probably just about sum up that first 90 days? That's about where you're, yeah, I mean, for me, that
0: is the fix-it process, right? We, yep. we continue to do that and then we iterate and we make small adjustments, but the goal is always to execute on the business plan, right? Whatever we lay out in our doc, um, based on the, whatever assumptions we had, our goal is to go through that and see if we can execute it, see if we can prove our rent um, premiums, see if we can reduce those expenses that we targeted to reduce and you know, make those capital improvements in the property. And, you know, if we do that well, we get rewarded. If we don't, then, you know, it could be bad news. And I've seen many people who've had to sell properties because they weren't able to either execute on their business model or the business plan that they
1: created wasn't one that was going to work for the property that they tried to apply it against. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for, for educating everybody on that. that is very, very, it's very interesting to dig into it and kind of get that feel of what exactly, you know, those, those uh, 90 days on a, on a good value ad is going to look like. Um, now, um, how do you like to, I, I ask this of almost all guests, is um, how do you like to give back to your community?
0: Yeah, man. So, the apartment community is really just providing that extra cu- excellent customer service for the folks in the investing community. You know, we have a podcast. It's called the Dreamcatchers Podcast. We put out an episode on Sunday evenings, and then we put out another one on Thursdays. The one on Thursdays more coaching, mindset, real estate investing specific. The one on Sundays is tied to people who set out to accomplish something and actually achieved it and get them to recount the journey to accomplishment and try to pick up those keys to success. Awesome. Um, Awesome. So we do that a lot. And then every now and again, I'll I'll do these uh, promotions kind of on LinkedIn and Instagram, Facebook, where, I'll get people and I'll, I'll give them a 15. Well, actually it's more like 30 minutes. I'll give them a 30 minute breakthrough call, but the the, the challenge is you got to get up at five o'clock with me. So while I'm on my morning walks, I'll talk to you for 30 minutes to an hour, depending on, you know, how complicated the situation is. And, you know, if you're stuck and it's all about helping people get unstuck and some of it's just getting uncomfortable and being willing to do things you aren't necessarily willing to do. And so, we do those too. And we've had a lot of success with them. I actually get really excited when I get to talk to somebody, especially I hit them with plenty of energy because I'm already out walking and they're like, hello. rubbing <laughs> like it's their eyes and maybe I woke them up because they overslept a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, our goal is to help people catch their dreams. That's kind of my thesis on life. Your dreams should be real. And so whatever we can do to help people do that, we we try to do that as much as
1: possible. Jerome, that is, that is awesome. That is amazing. I, I I love that spirit. I love that challenge. That is, that, that, that is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, that I, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Uh, you know, for, for y'all that aren't, aren't watching the video like i'm smiling like ear to ear because i just love what he just said that is that is amazing that is great i i, I i'm one of those uh ones that i will say that from the community i appreciate uh, somebody that has a giving heart like that that wants to make sure that hey yeah you're gonna sacrifice a little bit you know you, you know you want to spend some time with me you want to you, you know it's like look um Yeah, I'm going to require you to sacrifice by being up at 5 a.m., but that's all I'm asking you to sacrifice is getting up. And it's like, look, if you're serious waking up at 5 a.m., is not going to be an issue for you. If you're serious about fixing what you want to do, I mean, that's a little bit of an accountability. It's like, look, uh, yeah, are you okay? I will spend my time and I will give you my knowledge and I will share. I don't mind doing this, but I'm going to make sure that you're real about this because I don't like wasting my breath. I like that that's uh that's ingenious I, I i love that it's like yeah i'll give you advice all day long as long as it's 5 a.m <laughs> <laughs> you've uh, got to make it a little
0: inconvenience so that the folks who aren't serious about it stay out of the way yeah, i want yeah, those yeah. folks who are actually going to make a difference because for me it's an investment right like our time's our most precious resource and so if i'm gonna give you some of my most precious resources, I want to get a return on that investment and it's not so much that you know there's a transaction there but me seeing you do well and actually accomplish what you set out to accomplish is just as good as me doing it like <laughs> i i genuinely get excited about people accomplishing it because then it makes it real for me i know that dreams can be real because you did it right and yeah. it's just that confirmation bias
1: yeah yeah oh well it's 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 that like look i i'm jacked i'm super excited to help people you know but it's like look i don't want to put you know it's like look if i'm helping you i'm truly helping you i am walking side by side i'm holding your hand we're pulling this along i'm helping you with whatever it is that you're doing it's like look i'm here i'm helping you but if i'm putting my time and energy in it I just want to make sure that you're going to that if I'm putting my time and energy in it, that you're going to put your time and energy into it. And it's like, look, as long as you're putting your time and energy in it, I will help you and put as much as mine in that I personally can. So it's like, but, you know, it's like, look, I'm not going to sit here. And I'm not going to pull you across. You know, I might help you across the finish line, but I sure as heck ain't pulling you across the finish line. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Yeah, I, I I had a bad habit of wanting things for people more than they wanted them for themselves. So I had to put in some of those, I, I guess they're called toll gates or, uh, you know, some of those barriers so that I, I don't get in the situation where I'm trying to, like you said, pull people across the finish line.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah but that that is amazing. I love how you're giving back. Um, Jerome, what is a good way uh, for my listeners to get a hold of you if they want to?
0: Um, I think the best way is to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm the only Jerome Myers, and it's M Y E R S in Greensboro, North Carolina. So you can find me there. Um, you know, if you want to hear some of our contact content on the podcast, it's the Dreamcatchers podcast. It's on all the major pack podcasting platforms. And we also just started a video. So we've probably got six or seven videos out on YouTube as well. And you can find that at Dreamcatchers. Um, and then, you know, if you want to get to, you know, my business website, it's developing, but the E's are three. So D3, V 3 L-O-P-I-N-G.com. And that will put you in the game with me and, you know, contact us form. We can get some time scheduled and do what we need to do in order to foster a mutually beneficial and productive relationship.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Jerome, I appreciate you hopping on here so much. Uh, and thank you for giving all the value uh, that you have to, uh, to my listeners. And until we get a chance to talk again, thank you so much.
0: Thanks, David. Good talking to you. Thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate it. If
1: you want to learn more about dream
0: please visit the website at com. If you can think of someone who would
1: benefit from these types of opportunities and are willing to share what we're doing with them, we would greatly appreciate it.